you want local history? Let me tell you about local history. The Livery Iron and Steelworks. In 1969, drawn by cheap land and even cheaper oil prices, the works rolled into town, consuming nearly an entire square mile of that once beautiful swampland. And don't even get me started on that black smoke that billows over the town when the wind changes direction. They poured out millions of pounds of sand gathered from Galveston Island to stabilize their little spit sticking into Trinity Bay. The bay gives those huge ships they use an easy way to bring in coal and iron ore to feed those hellish furnaces, which reach temperatures, did you know this, of over 3,000 degrees. The steelworks brought some much needed work to this town, that's true, but I've watched as four presidents' efforts to stabilize the steel industry failed, and I've seen hundreds of men lose their jobs in the past decade. But maybe that's for the best. I might be stuck in this chair, but the accidents you hear out of that place. Uncle John, he tells a story about how, in 1979, when a man fell into one of those furnaces, he vaporized before he even hit that white-hot, boiling metal. Welcome to Coven, an actual play horror podcast. We're on Twitter at Coven underscore podcast, online at covenpodcast.com, assuming we can figure out the DNS info. Um, (laughs) Our theme music is by the ineffable Ben Cronin, and our amazing cover art, which we just got, is by Daniel Stetner. I'm Noah Lloyd. You can find me online at Noah Gola. We have Gary Slack. Just say hi, Gary. Oh, what's up, y'all? Sorry. We didn't, like, run through this beforehand. Uh, Sharon. Hey, how's it going? And Kiefer. Hello. Who's no longer here. (laughs) What? I'm totally here. (laughs) I'm offended. I'm here. I've been here. All right. All right, all right. It's on my damn waveform. Well, I... Just because it's on your waveform doesn't mean it came through Discord. It gets real saucy. Well, it's not my fault. Discord so. is a booty ass booty program that does a lot of booty things. <laughs> I think I think I might have to censor censor those, Keeper. Um, booty okay. ass. Yeah. Uh huh. Definitely worth a censor. So my GM ass. goals, my GM goals, which I did not go through last step, are to make the NPCs people with their own agency and drives empower you to play your characters as hard as possible make the setting feel like the 80s in both glitz and grit and make violence short brutal and consequential our two statements regarding sorcerer uh, assuming i can find them i thought they were right here here we go <laughs> our two state our two statements for sorcerer our location is a strided gulf coast town and strip malls and for our demons Unseen doorways and visceral decay. Our humanity is defined by our relationships with the community. Um, All right, so to get things off, uh, I am personally still getting used to the way bonuses and penalties work in Sorcerer. They are kind of all roleplay driven. And I think that at the end of last episode, if you haven't listened to it, you should, Kiefer's invention of Sam's meditation chamber on his boat, it's very just like kind of... um, an iconic setting almost 
Uh, it's the kind of thing that you would see in one of my major touchstones for this podcast, which is Hellraiser. Uh, you know, the lone sorcerer going into a room, meditating by themselves. And so really, I think that that was totally should have granted at least a bonus die or two to the role he then made to communicate with to try and convince Abalazet to help him. So Kiefer, I am going to, to kind of make up for that. And as I am myself trying to get more used to how the, the bonus and penalties work, I'm just going to give you a free plus one die to use on any... Um, on any role this session, okay? Ooh. Yeah. So just make a note of that. You can use it on your next one. You can hold it, but we're only going to use it for this session. Um, so if you don't use it by the end, we'll just forget about it. Um, and so that is kind of where I would like to start. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be in the meditation room still, but maybe, you know, a little bit after you've had a chance to talk to Abalazet and it has... It has kind of tried to refuse you, and then you've started to threaten it a little bit uh, in terms of it ascertaining whether or not your infant daughter has contracted the same disease you have. What's your next step? Um, we left and, it at Abalazet just being like, fuck you, and you being like, fuck you, right? No, it was a little more than that. We left it at Abalazet being like, fuck you, and you being like... I will um, put you in a turtle. Yeah, yeah, I will, I will, um, your threat, so just as a reminder, your threat of if I die, you're still trapped in me, proved a little, proved entirely futile, right? It kind of showed Abalazet your, um, your ignorance of a certain part of the subject matter, but then your threat to kind of confine it to something else, yeah, um, that I feel strongly about put it in a turtle as a okay. way of describing what happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you threatened to, to put it in a turtle. Um, and so I think after your threat, just to kind of, you know, we can um, push forward informationally a little bit here. In response to your threat, what Abby says is that it it can probably identify if your daughter has has this infection the same way it's aware of the infection in you which is by inhabiting your body. And so if you are willing to place, right, this is, this is kind of the offer it makes you, that if you're willing to place this demon in your daughter's body, then uh, it will be able to ascertain if she has it or not. Uh, the problem is, right, you are, um, so we, we should say that you will not lose control of a Balazet, and this is just something you know, kind of as a sorcerer, you wouldn't lose control of it if you did this, but control is kind of loosely defined here, right? It can always struggle against you, and uh, I don't know how you feel about putting kind of a, a reality-bending creature inside your infant daughter's body. It does not have, and I, I was going back through the powers it does have, just to make sure that this is the case, it does not have the power to, to ascertain the information you want from externally. There are demons which could do that, but you would have to go out on a limb. You would have to do some some other rituals, right? Which I think is is totally valid. That's kind of what sorcerer is designed to do: is to convince you to to do these other um, practices, right? To force you into these hard places. So, all that being said, what would you like to do? Um, so those other rituals would include 
for example, summoning a demon that could ascertain this externally. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. I would like to do that. Cool. So to be clear, do I have to to do this? I have to contact a demon, then summon a demon, then bind the demon. No. So a demon can be bound at any point, even if it is not in this current, for lack of a better phrase, since we are still actively figuring out our own metaphysics. Um, uh, on this plane of existence, even if a demon is on another plane, um, and I kind of hate that the phraseology, but we'll use it, uh, you can still bind it. Demons, the, the idea is demons want to be bound, but um, kind of a, an immediate haphazard binding is, is very dangerous for the sorcerer. So to summon a demon, you have to contact it first, and summoning is just kind of bringing it across into our into our world so that you can you can talk to it and would like aid in a binding role if you have gone through this process beforehand contacting is um basically so that you can talk to it right even okay. even kind of across planes cool so i think what we're gonna do here um Sam is going to take the boat out. He doesn't want to be sitting in the harbor as he's managing demonic entities. Is and this, just real quick, is this same day? Uh, we said, yeah, right? It's a Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, same day. Uh, I think it's like, act, like pretty much immediately after the conversation with Abby. It's like, slams the door to the meditation chamber, goes and like, turns on the boat and just gets going and... And motors out into the bay. Yeah, motors out into the bay, or maybe he motors up into the swamp a little bit. Uh, like, because I feel like he wants something a little bit... He doesn't really want somebody to come check out what he's doing on his boat. Yeah, um, a, a visit from the Coast Guard might be a bad thing. Yeah, and so I think he either is going to go up into the swamps or has previously found a very charming little cove that is by charming i mean like mossy and overgrown and just generally fetid and sort of rotting um that he likes to use for sorcerer's rituals okay cool yeah so we uh we have actually established in one of the um Sharon just helped me record this in one of the <laughs> pre-episode recordings. There are alligator-infested ponds uh, lining one of the channels that kind of leads into the swamp. So that, I think, is probably kind of exactly the place you're describing. You go up this channel. Um, there are probably lots of alligators around in this area, even if you don't see them very often. Lots being a relative term. And what are cool. you starting with? Which, which uh, ritual are you starting with? Um, I think contact is probably the right way to start. I think okay. reaching out to a demon is the right way to begin. Mm -hmm. So the book says, you know, we, we can assign bonus dice for kind of all kinds of things. And I am, I am happy to assign bonus dice for kind of anything that gets us deeper into our own metaphysics that helps us understand this world more. So what the book says is that uh, contacting a demon requires expanding one's mind well out of commonly acknowledged boundaries. The sorcerer's lore is matched against the demon's power. Bonus dice for contacting are awarded for massive doses of hallucinogens refined by the sorcerer for this use. So are you taking drugs? Uh, and we know that you're a heroin user. 
Mm-hmm. Are you? Are there other drugs that you're going to take for this particular? I don't think so, because he's not really a heroin user for heroin's sake. He's a heroin user for demon's sake, and I don't mm-hmm. think he's like. I think like you know, hippies do her- or do psychedelics, not straight laced former military guys who are just trying to talk demons in a polite and genteel way. Right. Um. So I don't think, okay. yeah, I don't think he's doing drugs. I think the quote cyst he can do for expanding his mind is meditating. Mm-hmm. Um, the way this works, the way that I'd, I'd like it for us to work is if you have kind of done a bunch of research, right? If you've looked into the Ars Goetia or if you've looked into other books of demonic power, right? Then maybe you can identify a demon that you, a specific demon that you want to contact. But in any case, right, the the depth of demons is kind of infinite, so far as we can tell. So if there is a particular kind of demon you want to reach out to, you can try to do that. What you will actually pick up is going to be partly determined by the role. What I'd like you to do is define kind of two or three powers that you want the demon to have. Um, so I'm looking down at the demon abilities and the, I think that the power that it would need to identify, to, to be able to do what you want it to is maybe like hint, um, or really, yeah. And this is the one I was thinking of when I was uh, looking this up last night is perception. So with perception, either the demon, uh, or you, if it's adding its power to your own perceives, you know, yeah, I think perception would be the one to start. Like that's that's the one he wants okay. specifically. I don't think Sam knows that though. I don't think he has a specific idea about what demons are like. So I don't think he's studied anything. I don't think he has a really clear idea of what powers he's looking for or how he's going to solve his problem. I think he's casting out his mind searching with his feelings whatever um to look for something that can solve his problem without hurting his daughter or without requiring or without putting her at risk even um and i think that's you know as monkey's pie as you want it to be but he so i think perception definitely sounds to me as the player the best like the best thing but i don't think he knows that and I don't know what other power... Like, he's not thinking about specific powers. I think perception and hint and daze would all be fun things for him to have. At least demons that have. Uh... Um, we can just make this roll, right? And if we just make this roll, then I think I would give you a, a plus one to this die because you have gone to this spe- specific location, which we know is kind of a, lo- a powerful location, in the clearing, which is itself a powerful location. So I would give you a plus one die to this contact roll immediately off the bat. What else are you doing? What does the what does the ritual actually look like? Right. And we should we should attend to the fact that, you know, you can bind a demon immediately at any time. As you know, so if you get into a lot of trouble, you can just bind it. Um, even in the middle of a firefight, right? You can bind something out of the blue, pull it out of its plane of existence and into yourself. Right, which seems very reckless and dangerous. Exactly, but that's where we want to (laughs) get. 
but if you spend time on something, right, um, and describe it in kind of more and more arcane depth, like I said, I'm interested in us exploring the metaphysics of this place. So what does the what does the ritual actually look like? What do you have to do in order to get your mind to expand to other other planes of reality? Um, I think he does shoot up, but not for like the just because it feels like the right thing to do. It's something that he now associates with sorcery. Um, and I think that after tying off his arm, he does what we would typically recognize as like an autoerotic asphyxiation thing and starts like just kind of choking himself. So, you know, he's not, he's, he's really, he's risking his life a little bit here because he could not off absolutely, but mostly he wants to like both be in that, he just wants to be in that liminal state of like awareness of death and like brain kind of firing in weird ways. And at the same yeah. time, he's just sitting on the deck of the boat, shirtless, um, just breathing deeply and has his eyes open, I think, probably, and is just staring at the swamp. Cool. Yeah. He's, I like he's looking into the water, definitely looking into the water, like leaning mm-hmm. forward against the belt or whatever's choking him and looking yeah. off the back of the... I like the eyes open detail as well, for some reason. I think that that's really kind of evocative. So... Um, fuck it. I'm going to give you three free dice. One just for the eyes open detail, another for coming into the clearing, and another for for the for the self-asphyxiation thing, because I think the logic behind that is really cool. So we're going to roll your lore against this demon's power. Uh, your lore is two. We're adding three dice to it, so you're going to roll 5d8, unless you want to add the, the free die you have on top of it at the moment. It says bind is not to, you know, metagame too much here. Mm-hmm. But a, pl- a free plus one, it's kind of impossible not to. Bind yeah. just as appropriate score. Yeah, so for the binding, we would decide, based on how you describe the binding, based on what you do, we would decide if you wanted to use your will, your lore, uh, your stamina. There might even be uh, particular circumstances when you could use your cover role. Um, so if you were if you were describing, you know, I don't know why this is the image that popped in my head, but if it was kind of a... A wrestling the angel motif then we would use your stamina if it was you using your mind to to bind this creature then it would definitely be will if you're using your knowledge of arcane lore it would be lore right got it okay so that's that's um, what the appropriate score is referring to on the bind um real quick though i do want to say do you think your price comes into this your price being cowardice, and I'm just thinking about how fearful you are of the water, staring into it. Does your um, price think affect things at all? Uh, I, I would think that, yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. I think that that's kind of part of his challenge, is that he mm-hmm. does need to be close to the water to figure this out, because it, it's right. the only thing he knows in his life that brings him back to just like that feeling of, I think there's something about the feeling of powerlessness and surrender that mm-hmm. he needs to be able to do this, to right. be like up against something that's so much bigger than him and so terrifying. Cool. So let's go ahead and apply that apply that minus one price as well, just to try and be honest to the rule system. So you'll be rolling 4d8 for this. Sweet, content. then let's use my plus one. Okay, so 5d8. And I have not yet uh, stated what the demon's power is you will find that out in a moment so keeper terrible with his yeah that's not bad uh with 5d8 rolled seven seven five three and one 
I am rolling 4d8, so Keeper's actually ahead. And that is a... Uh, partial so Kiefer, victory for you. Yeah, a partial victory for this demon. It rolled an 8664, so just the very first die uh, beat Keeper's. I think you get tantalizingly close, right? You've never tried this before, is something that we are we are determining here, right? You've Sam is not really fully aware of how contacting things should work. You're doing all this by instinct and maybe with a little guidance from a Balazette. And you as your vision starts to blacken at the edges, right? As your vision starts to darken from this self-asphyxiation you're performing, um, it's like you can hear a rumble in the back of your mind. There is something there that is willing to communicate with you. And then I think you might just collapse, right? I think that your body gives out at this point. And you, you can tell that what you were doing was close, that you were about to do it. And you simply gave out, right? Um, reaching beyond to speak to something is difficult. How do you how do you feel? You could try again. That's definitely an, an yeah. option. Um, I was going to say that I would love to try again. It seems like that's specifically in the rules, like pushing yourself a little bit totally. more. Yep. Um, okay. I don't so um, one can continue to attempt a contact even after a failed roll with a penalty of one die to lore and stamina, both per extra attempt. Okay, so that means you're starting with one die. I think I'm still still giving you the um, the two additional. Price is still being invoked, so you're at three d eight. Does it look any different? Are you trying anything additionally in order to make this more effective, or or does he just breathe a little bit and then start tightening the noose again? Maybe he starts praying. Like some very, you know, he goes to church. I think he might start just saying the Lord's Prayer. Um, <laughs> and I think his idea is that, like, maybe it would appeal to a demon, right? Like, I think he's very much, Sam's in a kind of Judeo-Christian mindset about all of this demonic stuff. Of course. But not really worried about hell because he thinks he's mostly a good person. Um <laughs> And so I think he's like, yeah, you know, demons would be charmed by the idea of a prayer happening during a profane ritual. This seems like something that they would enjoy. Like, I don't think he doesn't, I don't think he thinks it would scare them away. I don't think he's like holding a cross out as defense. Maybe he has a cross necklace and he takes it off, but I don't think he has a cross necklace. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, he's just saying the Lord's Prayer while he's doing it. Or Hail Mary. Hail Mary's funnier. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so... Let's go ahead and give you an additional die for that. So we will call it 4d8. Okay, that's an okay roll. Uh, Keeper rolled a 7, 5, 2, and a 1. I'm rolling 4d8 again for this demon's power. And that's a 7, a 5. So we tie on those two. And then a 4, which beats Keeper's 2. Um, so I still want to give you something, right? I don't want this to be a total a total failure. What do you see in the water? You see, as your vision starts to darken again and you hear this rumbling in the back of your mind, you see a pale face. Actually, you see two things. Yeah, I'm gonna give you two things. I'm gonna set something else in motion just because I fucking feel like it. <laughs> you see a pale face in the water. It has a long hooked nose and kind of a 17th century 
um, witch's hat on it. I don't think that Sam recognizes this for what it is, but the audience would, or anyone who's who's done their 17th century history, <laughs> would recognize this as a plague doctor. But the plague doctor is, it's a few inches beneath the surface of the channel here, of the clearing. And it is staring up at you. And the other thing you see as, as you know, the it darkens around your vision is kind of a pale gray shape moving through the trees. And you think just kind of in the back of your mind, it shouldn't be able to move like this, right? It should be sinking if this is a human and it's kind of human sized and human shaped and bipedal, uh, maybe a little too tall, arms and legs a little too thin, doesn't seem to be wearing any clothing and it is just kind of stalking between the trees. You think it might have been watching you earlier. And then, you know, as you collapse and you heave for breath, both of those visions kind of vanish, are gone. So let's cut Saturday morning. I want to see what Joan is up to. And Kiefer can be thinking about if he wants to try another contact role, no matter how dangerous that might be, uh, or if he wants to try another tack for a while. Mm. Um, Joan, yeah. what are you doing this Saturday morning? Um, I think, didn't we say that Joan was on the track team in her high school so we could have her being at the high school track just kind of um just kind of working through running drills or just going for a run around the track Mm -hmm. um yeah we can put her at the track okay cool are there what do you want to get out of this scene i think is the question to ask right Mm. what are the what are the threads that are up in the air for Joan at the moment? One of them is she needs to, or she's considering reaching out to Elijah, her father, right? Who's kind of offered her this this trip to New York, maybe. Yeah. Um, at least connections. The other thing up in the air is the hand, just as kind of a lingering mystery. What else is yeah. up in the air for Joan at the moment? Um, I mean, I think it's mostly those two things. Um, I mean, for me personally, I really want to figure out about I want to learn about the hand, so I don't know what we could do to um, explore the hand thing a bit more. I can. There is a scene that I can do. Yeah. For you at the at the track site. Yeah. Um, the I'm just not sure that it's going to be kind of driving in either of the two directions. But okay. let's let's go ahead and do it anyway. Well, I mean, we could revise to something that is more hand related, and we could have her. Well, let's just let's just have this beat. So, Millie who, funnily enough, is the name of a Friends at the Table character, but is also the name <laughs> of one of Samson's daughters, yes. who is the same age as you. And I think that she is on the track team. And we decided, I believe, in an earlier recording uh, that we haven't released yet, the character generation episodes, that you and Millie at least know each other, uh, mm. are on friendly terms, if not best friends. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I doubt you're best friends, but are, are on friendly terms. Yeah. So Millie is at the practice, too. And she is she's doing the same sprints, the same exercises as you. And you had this kind of strange interaction with her father, who you know is a sorcerer, last night. Yeah. Do you want to do anything? Do you want to approach her? Do you want to talk yeah. to her? Um, yeah, let's absolutely. Let's have Joan approach her, I guess, between doing the sprints. Mm-hmm. And um, 
yeah, let's have her say something along the lines of, hey, so what is, um, what is the deal with your dad? What does he do for fun? He was being kind of strange at, at the Rogue last night. Well, strange? What do you mean strange? Oh, I don't know. We just, um, has I, been, I... Has he been drinking again? Mom doesn't like it when he drinks as much as he does sometimes. Um, yeah... I, I he may have been a little bit, but that wasn't what was strange on on our end. It was more that um, we had kind of stumbled across something out back when I was taking out the the garbage, and um, he was just very unwilling to help. Is that is that a thing with your dad? Is he just not? Is he not... <laughs> no, that's good. I want to hear what what Kiefer would what Kiefer thinks about this. What would Millie say? about samson not being helpful yeah is that just like um, very him yeah actually i think he doesn't do things that aren't his job mm -hmm. okay that's right? what she like, says i think okay. yeah yeah she just says he he doesn't really like doing things that aren't his job i mean he he loves his job right uh mm -hmm. over at the over at the steel mill so uh, so then what does he do with all his free time Sorry, to be clear, I don't mean, like, his job, like, his professional job. I mean, like, he doesn't like doing tasks that haven't been previously assigned to him and he knows are his. Mm -hmm. Not like, but, I'm going to jump in with this task. He's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I know that I take out the garbage, so I will take out the garbage, but don't ask me to touch the recycling. Yeah, but I think one of the ways that Millie is contextualizing this is as your professional job, right? Cool. Is that you spend a lot of time away from home doing steel mill stuff even if often you may not be doing steel mill stuff this is the way she has kind of internalized it yeah cool Just so to make sure. yeah totally 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 i think that's a good clarification so she tells you this about the steel mill and then you ask her about her free time well about her and father's I think, free time yeah yeah sorry yeah. her father's free time and i think she just says i don't know he he plays saxophone i know he's got a boat he he goes out sometimes i don't really know mm -hmm. why i've never seen him swim mm -hmm. but yeah i mean he he hangs out with us occasionally but he always seems like he's got something on his mind i don't know i see him looking in the mirror a lot that's hmm. <laughs> where does he where <laughs> does can... he keep where does he keep this boat of his uh down at down at the harbor I'm, and I'm sure that there is is just kind of a a simple livery harbor yeah. right on the right on the bay there. Um, and she hmm. she gives you the name for it. Oh shit, Kiefer, did we name Sam's boat last time? Maybe not. I don't yeah. think we did. Yeah, All I, I wrote down remember. in my notes is he has a boat. So, what is the name of Samson's boat? Uh, Sweet Sylvia. Sweet Sylvia, good name. So yeah, she even says, yeah, his his boat's called Sweet Sweet Sylvia. Hmm. All right. Know. I've never even been on it. That is. She might be kind of annoyed by the boat because it's Sweet Sylvia would be named after her stepmother. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool. Thanks, Millie. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good time with with Millie Samson. Oh yes. Excellent um yeah what can we do next well let's let's think for a second you want to figure out more about the hand right yes um 
I believe that Robert mentioned Jim Lewis last episode, kind of towards the end of last episode. Was so that his that's... No, Jim Lewis was the character I played in Kingdom, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who's kind of the other sorcerer in town. Or yeah. not kind of, but is the other sorcerer in town. Yeah. So that's another lead that you could track down. You could, your mother, your, your mother, your mm-hmm. mother knows some things about sorcery, ob- obviously, because she's, it's her fault. You're saddled with, um, this demon, yeah. Abathon. Yeah. So you've got some directions that way. Um, let's see real quick. Let's just get a mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. of what Robert is up to. Sure. Cause I, cause I get the feeling the two of you might, might wind up working together again, but let's, let's yeah. see what Gary has in mind. Gary, what is Robert up to? So it's Saturday morning, right? Yes, sir. Saturday morning, Robert usually sleeps in real late, which is uh, unlike him because he likes to get an early rise up to you know practice his guitar. Um, but we see him basically uh, sprawled out on his back in his bed, um, still wearing his pendant from last night. You know the size of like his pendant is related to whether or not Emlac has been satisfied with, uh, you know, like what his, uh, what is it? His needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and his need is to swim in the swamp. So Emlac was looking mad fresh, uh, when he got <laughs> home last night. Um, and since, uh, the pendant has shrunk, um, but still looks pretty healthy. It's not rusted or brittle. Um, you know, he's like topless and bottomless. He has like his uh, knickers on, as they say. And um, <laughs> he's just like getting up. Um, he's scratching his head. He, you know, looks outside and basically finds himself greeted by a blast of sunlight. He takes a look at his guitar um, and he can still feel like the sensation like burning in his fingers from like what a good night it was uh both with the playing as well as like swimming uh but the question of the hand uh you know lingers you know not too far away from all of that more pressing for him though is the question of his grandmother's will and i don't know if we've done much with that yet um no we haven't so one idea I had was he was going to ask his folks, his mom and his dad, um, like, you know, just like what his grandmother's like relationship to that swamp was or is. And it'd be mm-hmm. like him pulling teeth out of a, you know, out of a mouth because like his folks don't really talk to him much about his grandmother, let alone about you know anything because they're disappointed in his career choices sure another um we 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 could you know i could have him like you know on his way to meet up with his folks but then like meet up with uh joan or like whatever whichever sounds cool with y'all but that's that's kind of what his groove is and looking for answers to questions that he has yeah, I'm yeah. totally fine with with either one of those. If you want to have the scene with your family first, or if you run into Joan, or if you and Joan run into each other and Joan accompanies you, and you know hangs around outside while you 
have this conversation. Whatever the two of y'all think would be most interesting, let's put it that way, right? Yeah. Rather than, we don't have a map of the livery at the moment. Um, but maybe somebody <laughs> will draw one for us someday. But yeah. um, I yeah. am pro having them link up at some point. Um, I don't before or after the parents thing is fine with me. Yeah, I would. I'm erring towards after. Um, yeah. Just, just because I can't think of, at least in my head, anything like Joan could do in that scene. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, you know, I think yeah. the the image that I was imagining is kind of you know this 16 year old hanging out in front of somebody's house, kind of kicking a rock along the sidewalk while she waits, <laughs> right. which is kind of yeah. like a you know. Uh, relatable for me as an only child but <laughs> we don't have to go that route if uh we let's just go ahead and jump to gary to um robert arriving at his folks's place right so the first thing robert does is before he knocks is he actually takes off the pendant mm. um he removes the pendant and puts it I guess just absentmindedly in his back pocket, although you can clearly see like <laughs> there's some kind of, you know, bulge back there. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, MLAX pendant still pretty big, so it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he knocks on the door, knock, knock, knock. Yeah, and, and your dad, Bill, will answer. Are you going to do Bill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah um, I don't. I don't think he he says anything when the door opens. He just kind of sees you, and you know you've got the screen door between you and him. Hey, what's happening, pops? What's going on? Do you think that he calls you Rob or Robbie, or would he just call you Robert? I think his father would probably call him son or boy or something like that. Okay. Um. um probably hey like son. son. Yeah, son. Okay. Um, Hey, son, hey. what's happening? Uh, not much, Pops. Uh, just wanted to see if I'd come in for a bit, you know. Uh, see yeah, how you come and on. moms are making out. Thanks. We're, we're making lemonade. Okay. Y'all made enough for me? Yeah, yeah, we got enough. Come on. All right. Yo, mom, where you at? <laughs> and Lorraine, I'm just trying to remember. Right, it's your aunt. Okay, so uh, your mother, Lorraine Chessimard, she comes out, she's um, she's carrying something. She's surprised to see you. She's headed into the kitchen. Hey, what are you doing here? I didn't expect to see you. Oh, you Come know, around so, to... so rarely these days. Uh, well, you know, I had to check up on y'all, you know, keep you on your toes. Yeah, well, you've always been good at that. Uh, actually, I did come for something a little more seriously. Uh, y'all got a minute? I don't mean to intrude on... You know, it looks like y'all about to have lunch. They, um, Lorraine and Bill just kind of, they share a glance and, and Bill says, yeah, come on, I'll, I'll fix you a sandwich. And they, they go into the kitchen and I think Bill is going to be, depending on how long you wait to, to raise the issue of the will, Bill is just going to start kind of making you a, you know, making a, a simple sandwich for you to have with them at lunch. Hey, Pops, just make sure to lay it easy on the mayo. You know how that gives me indigestion. No mayo, extra mustard, I remember. Same since high school. Uh, uh, so, Mom, like, uh, how's work been? What, uh, what does she do? Um, 
I want to say she is a stenographer at the local court. Cool. Oh, you know, it's uh, it's gone, especially since since all that money came in for the new police station. We've been, you know, busier than ever. Yeah, I bet. And Pops, like, you know, you've been looking pretty tired these days. Like, I guess the foundry's been making you work like a mad dog, huh? Oh, does he work at the steel mill? Uh, he does now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I think that's a really good connection. He works at the steel mill where um, where Samson is kind of a, a, the right-hand man of the owner, basically. Cool. Yeah, you know, they're they're always working us to the bone. What What did you need, Robert? Um... Oh, it's um I haven't seen y'all in so long. Um well at least I haven't dropped by the house in a minute. Um Well, not since the uh since the funeral. Yesterday. <laughs> you know me, I just get so lost in the sauce I I tend to but that doesn't count though. That was a funeral. Um but I did have a question and I don't know if I brought this up to y'all yet, but can y'all tell me exactly why Granny left me all of this stuff in her will? Left left you all of all of what stuff? I think this is your your mother, who is who is uh, Willie May's daughter, right? Um, what what stuff did she leave you? We haven't heard anything about a will. Well, so I was debating on whether or not I should tell you all, but I guess this is as good of a time as any. Um, I was approached by someone yesterday at the funeral, and he presented to me Granny's will. Um, and in that will, she left us, uh, as a family, a whole bunch of stuff that I'm sure, uh, at least I thought you knew about. But then she also left me something that I figured you two might know a little something about, and that's the swamp. I think Lorraine knocks over her glass of lemonade as she kind of like sits back really quickly. And your dad has just stopped spreading mustard on the on the bread and is kind of staring at you. Like they, they think you have blown a gasket a little bit. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, you see, I knew you would say that, so... Robert reaches into his other back pocket, um, which doesn't have the pendant, and he procures the uh, will that was given to him yesterday. And he gives it to his mother because she's closest, and Robert begins to sort of recite, like, you know, what was on it. Oh, you know, Granny had several accounts um, that she was going to leave to y'all, you know, with the with the with the idea that you helped that with the the girl's education, and or I should say Angelica, just one one sister um, with Angelica education, and um, you know some other stuff like little minor things, and then there's the issue of the swamp. Do you know anything about the swamp? Did Granny have some kind of connection there? Did you have a connection there? They, Lorraine and Bill are just kind of flabbergasted is the best way to describe it, I think. They are shocked about this, right? Um, because the impression that everyone had of Willie is that she was on the verge of broke basically her entire life. 
and yet she had legal possession of this piece of land which is valued at millions of dollars they're they're just totally flummoxed and i think i think what i want us to do is have you do a role for us and to kind of see if you're able to jog lorraine's memory so let's have you let's call i think we would call this a will roll or um yeah yeah i think a will roll this is this is kind of your social competence playing up 5d8 yeah 5d8 and we will just actually go ahead and roll one more in addition to that so go ahead and roll one more d8 because um, okay. just because i think that you are you're setting this up really well and i'm gonna roll her will as well and we are just kind of seeing how how much you're able to jog her memory of childhood really if i'm if i'm being totally honest so fuck i'm rolling really well tonight so her highest <laughs> roll was an eight Robert's highest roll was a five. Robert rolled three fives, which is kind of a kind of a bummer. So she can't recall from childhood anything or or adulthood anything having to do with the clearing, right? Um, which I think for people who are watching at home should be really strange because when she was a child, uh, Willie Mae was involved in some weird shit which happened in the clearing, including. Uh, when the town was nearly destroyed and there were these big like tendrils of darkness hovering over the town. So the fact that Lorraine can't remember any of this is evidence that something maybe happened to the memories of people in town. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe she was just too young. But what she says, I, and actually maybe this is, uh, maybe Bill suggests this, is that oh, you should go talk to your Aunt Lula. I think we, this is, this is mind blowing, and the fact that she left this to you, and not to us, it shows she had a had a lot of faith in you, I guess. But he, you know, kind of this backhanded compliment. But he suggests that maybe you should talk to Lula, Lorraine's sister, as well. Well, I thought you'd know something, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to push it. But just you know, if something comes up, or if y'all find something just lying around the house, or if you just you know are up at night, you remember something, you know, just. Give me a we'll, call. I ain't we'll too give far away. Thanks, y'all. Uh, love you very much, and uh, I'll catch y'all later. Love you too, honey. And and Lorraine gives you a kiss on the cheek. So rather than have you go to Lula, when you are back out on the street on your walk, maybe headed home or just uh, taking a stroll, you will run into Joan yeah. at this point. Uh, and let's just have y'all... Have y'all link up and decide what you're going to do. Yeah. Hey, Robert. Hey. What up, Hi. kid? Oh, so, I can't stop thinking about last night. Um, no, uh, I mean the hand, not the swim, although that was quite nice as well. Um, but this hand situation is, I, it's really, are you sure we shouldn't just go to the police? Should we go, what can we, I feel like we need to figure out who the hell's hand that was yo kid listen i feel that 100 percent. i just i think we should look more into it i just don't think the pigs will be able to tell us nothing about it um you know that's that's, that's just me but uh um, if you if you want to do it if if, if 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 that's if that's your prerogative uh, no no i no fuck fuck that uh, let's uh let's what about what about 
that Samson guy. I um. I love yeah, how unused <laughs> Joan sounds to saying fuck. She just sounded so like fuck. I know. That fucking square. You saw how he brushed us off like he owned the fucking joint. You know. Yeah, but like, what if he's brushing us off because he's hiding something? There's not that many people who are controlling alligators around here and he was just very <laughs> he was very weird about the whole thing um well shit how about this we just called my boy Columbo out of la and he'll help us solve this oh god robert's uh, kind of robert's kind of like a little annoyed not at joan but just at his parents not being able to like remember yeah. anything so there's like a little bit of an edge cracking out of that facade uh, cracking well, out of his uh, expression Look, I, I just found out that that Square, as you say, has a um has, has a boat over at the harbor, and I maybe no we should shit. just go track him down. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just saw his his kid, and she that's what she told me, and I just I feel like this guy's hiding something. All right, well, looks like we're going out to the harbor. Hope you know how to how to swim. swim. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. Beautiful. Let's let's just fast forward to the harbor, uh, mm-hmm. a place which did not exist before today. Yep. <laughs> so the the harbor is a small thing, right? For the the even though the livery is on the water, it's a fairly small town. It's it's definitely bigger than it was in 1964, but you know it's probably only got two piers with some small sailboats uh, and a few kind of more expensive motorboats of which of which Samson's Sweet Sylvia is one. So let's figure it out real quick, Kiefer. What did Samson do after this kind of second failure, but his his vision of these two creatures? Tried one more time, and this time, instead of choking himself, he held his own head underwater. Oh, shit. Yikes. Yeah, he was trying to like get as close as possible to the plague doctor in the alligator-infested swamp. Okay. I think, like, maybe he, like, had something heavy on the boat and, like, tied it around his neck to make it, like, harder for him to get out of the water. Like, not so heavy that he wouldn't be able to get out, but he felt like there needed, because he doesn't want to put his face in the water, you know? Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's try this again. I think, so, (laughs) so the way this works, and there are going to be repercussions to this, right? Each time you attempt a contact roll, you decrease Lauren's, uh, and stamina. stamina or Lauren's stamina? It's Lauren's stamina, each attempt. So your lore drops to zero. So if the cumulative penalties bring lore to zero, the sorcerer is catatonic for several hours, which I think will still work from with what's going to happen. So let's go ahead and have you roll with 1d8, and we'll decrease it after you, after you take this, because the, the book's... You're not giving me any bonuses for trying to, like, drown myself? And no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, that's, that's the start, right? So we're starting with your lore at 1d8. And then we okay. will, I'm going to give you plus two because you're fucking trying to drown yourself. Um, I just want this to succeed, but I'm trying to be honest to the, honest to the system. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. You're, you're pushing through your price, right? Should we, what do you think? Should we, should we remove one of the die because of your, because of your price? Yeah, I think like real, I mean, I think the image I want is of Samson in the water. Maybe he's not even like, maybe he like actually like tied the anchor to his foot and threw himself off the boat Mm -hmm. and he has a knife in his hand. So he knows he's going to be able to cut the rope at the last possible minute. 
um, because that's the only way he could get himself to go into the water. Mm -hmm. And he's in there still with his eyes wide open, just kind of like staring and trying to see what he saw before. Um, So the price should... I feel like that is overcoming the price through some sort of self-damaging thing. Mm -hmm. And if I was... GMing, I would probably just give me enough bonus dice to make up for the minus one, but yeah, I would say that's your call. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna give you three d8 bonus dice because again, I really like the eyes open, the eyes open visual, and maybe that's something that we can try and carry forward with some of the other rituals. Is that you do them with your eyes open, and so that what you see is not a hallucination, but is some kind of imposition upon reality, right? Um, yeah. So I like that a lot. So let's just do 3d8 in addition, call it 4d8, and give me a, a 48 roll, and you're going to roll against this demon's 48 as well. Okay, so I'm getting rid of that 1d8 that I rolled previously, which I thought was yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, just ignore that. I would like to have it back, please. <laughs> um, Kiefer rolled 4, 4, a 3, and a 1. This is not good. I rolled a 6, a 5, a 4, and a 3. But I, I want us to I want us to see something. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can see something and have it not actually be a contact, right? Like Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, and I think I think that's what happens. So, oh, let's do this actually. Let's have a stamina roll, but we need should remember that your stamina has dropped by 3 for each attempt at this contact, which means your stamina is at 0. So you don't have any dice to roll. So that's an automatic failure, unfortunately. But that's okay. You're not going to die here. Uh, because the stamina roll was going to be for you cutting the rope of the anchor, right? You realize that this is it. This is time. You pull, you know, you kind of pull your own leg, pull yourself down to reach the rope, and you start trying to cut it. And you realize that wet ropes are much tougher than dry ropes. And you get through some of the strands, and it just gets worse and worse. And then you see an alligator in the water beneath you and it is coming for you and then it comes to the rope and it bites the rope tears it in half too easily and this alligator is huge right we're calling him 12 feet nose to tail and as you pass out you feel it kind of slip beneath you and start to lift you back to the surface when you wake up there is a person standing above you he's wearing a mask it is white it has this long curved nose these big black eye holes and he's wearing a 17th century kind of witch's hat it uses he him pronouns there's no way for you to know that at the moment but he looks down at you and says keep trying you'll reach me eventually and then you pass out again (laughs) cool and then you wake up a few hours later So I think that you have, you know, the several hours pass. This was in the morning. We had already determined you wake up maybe a little bit past noon. Your boat has, without an anchor now, has drifted into the weeds near the, you know, on the edge of the channel. So you're no longer in the center of it. But it's easy enough for you to kind of get turned around and head back toward the harbor. And maybe harbor is too grandiose a term. I I think marina is actually the word we want. Even docks. So you head back for the marina, I assume? After these kind of three failed attempts? Yeah. Okay. As you pull into the marina, I think you see your two friends, loosely defined, from last night. 
Joan and Robert. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're Waiting they're just kind him. of well, I think you're probably like wandering around reading boat names. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like you don't know to go to the <laughs> you don't know to go to the harbor master and be like, hey, where's Sweet Sylvia's birth? You're just wandering along like, oh yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Here's here's the red cherub, here's here's the yeah. the whatever else. And then motoring in comes the sweet Sylvia. <laughs> okay. Can we start waving at him? <laughs> yeah, totally. You just see this sixteen year old girl waving at you from, from the dock. <laughs> Samson, what are you what are you thinking when you notice them? <laughs> I think that exact sign I just did, just like ugh. <laughs> These two again. Like I guess. But I think also like, you know, now I need help with something that Right. Exactly. They might be able to help me with that. So I think it's like a ugh, but also sorcerers are better than one. Perhaps. So Samson pulls in. Samson probably tosses a line straight to Robert, just because that's what you do to people who are on docks. Yeah. Comes off. Robert, I want you to go ahead and make me another roll. All right. I'm I'm gonna roll what it is, and depending on how you on how you fare, we will see if you figure out what you're rolling for. This would probably be your will robert so robert your will is five i'm giving you a bonus die because this is actually something that imlac is doing for you so i want you to go ahead and roll 68 and i'm going to roll um another number and depending on how you do i'll tell you what it is oh that's another terrible roll Uh, out of 68 he rolled five five four four one and one our dice roller is very much privileging the gm today 3d8 i believe it is yep 3d8 Seven of five and a two. Okay, so I'm actually going to cut that seven because I think it's, and I was thinking about rolling 2d8 anyway. Now that would still be a tie, even if, even with me trying to kind of like metagame and cheat a little bit. Okay, you notice Imlac respond to something. I'm not going to tell you what I rolled for, but you do notice, Robert, Imlac shift against your skin, right? I'm assuming you put it back on after you left your parents' house. And yes. I oh I will say this is something else I was thinking of earlier. I believe in the character generation episodes we just described it as kind of a chain mm-hmm. that you wore, and now there's a pendant on it, which I actually like. I kind of like the idea that that the necklace is a little bit shifting. Sometimes it has this pendant, sometimes it doesn't. What might seem like <laughs> a continuity error in our TV show, but is actually intentional. Um, and you feel it move. You feel Mlac kind of. I think vibrate is the wrong term, but maybe rotate against your skin. It's like someone has has picked up two edges of the necklace and turned it around your neck a little bit. And it's just brief. It's just for a moment. You don't really know what it's saying. And that's the problem with object demons. They can't communicate very well. But it is trying to communicate something to you. You just don't know what. And But it happens right as Samson is kind of stepping off the boat onto the dock. And now let's get this scene. Hi. Hey, Samson. How how are you doing? Can I help you with something? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just turned into your daughter, and um, uh, you know, I, I didn't tell her about the 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 hand situation, but she did mention that you had a boat here, and I, I just can't, mm, I just can't get it out of my head, and um, you know, I'm not sure the police are the right route here uh or which totally um, just sounds like a threat (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um there's just something i just feel a bit uneasy about about some 
demon alligators and yeah i just feel like you're not telling us something and i think maybe we should investigate she wanted to investigate i just want to see what kind of boat you could possibly be driving (laughs) it's a pretty nice boat i think yeah it's not a bad whip yeah is it a whip in the ocean hey i've seen crazy i I like i like that idea (laughs) it's here's my boat I would take you on a tour, but I have no interest in letting you on my boat. Oh, um, that's rude. So is talking to my daughter about illicit activities happening late. I'm going to have a conversation with her mother now. I might talk to her new boyfriend. What do you think you're doing talking to my kids about demon shit? I didn't tell her anything about the demon. I just asked what you do for fun and said you seemed kind of weird last night. Uh, you, right, you and it didn't seem out. at all... You didn't think that my 16-year-old daughter would think it was odd that her track teammate was asking questions about what her father did for fun? Look, I just made it... That was kind of fucked up, though. Hey, I I promise it was a very casual conversation. I mean, you knew this man based on last night was going to be bugging, you know? I made it seem very casual, don't worry. I'm sure she'll forget all about it. But seeing as we're here, Narrator, she wouldn't. If if y'all had a if this was like the late nineties, then Samson would definitely have a cell phone and it would ring right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, seeing as we're here, why? Did, what is going on with you? What do you know about this alligator? Uh, you know, doesn't seem all bad to me. Random hands, demon alligators. You think that's not bad? Pulling me out of a swamp when I was on the verge of drowning. What? What just happened? What? Who pulled you out of a swamp? Look, there's a lot of stuff that you have no idea about that I can't imagine you are anywhere close to being old enough to even think about, let alone understand. Mm. Do you, what do you want from me? I want to know whose hand that was. Since you're all best friends with these alligators now, maybe you can tell us something. I can tell you that I just spent the majority of my day trying very, very hard to talk to something and having Mm. absolutely no luck. If you want to talk to the alligator, perhaps we can try together some other time. Today, I have spent far too long away from home. My wife will have dinner on the table in 10 minutes and I'm at least 45 minutes away and I'm going to need a shower before I get home because I smell like a swamp. But we're right here by all this water. What's one more try? You don't really understand what it means to have obligations to other people. And that's fine. That's a lot of what being a teenager is. But that is not what I am. This guy is a square. (laughs) Yes, I am a square. I will talk to you later. Why don't... (sighs) Why don't, are you working tonight at the Rogue? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess so, because if, if she's mostly working weekends, then yeah, she would be working. Uh, yes, I am working later. I will be there to play a set close to close. Why don't we talk then? Ah, <sighs> fine. And Robert's been pretty quiet this whole scene, mostly because he's puzzled, but also curious as to why and Black moved when he first saw mm-hmm. Samson. Yeah, why don't you, 
I was just going to give you another opportunity to roll this time at 5d8 instead of 6d8, and I would roll the same 3d8. Just because if you know you're still puzzling about it, you've been quiet this whole scene, kind of focusing on Mlax. So I think that's worth another roll, and we'll decrease it by one. Um, but go ahead and roll five d eight, and I'll roll the same thing. Much better roll. <laughs> Double eight seven four four. Cool. So that is a total success. In fact, finally. Yes. Yeah, finally. <laughs> so, Robert, as you're focusing on Mlax, and the way we've described Mlax before one of its powers is perception and we've described it as being this kind of synesthetic experience right when you're playing music you pick up these kind of auras from the audience which allows you to kind of influence the the you know you kind of listen to what they need and then you play it which makes your performances so powerful and you start getting that vibe here as you're focusing on MLAC, even though you're not playing music and this might you're going to have to tell me, but this might be something new for you to have this this perception, even though you're not playing music, which is what would what would the aura of sick be for you? What would be the aura coming off of Samson? So what I was rolling was Samson's stamina to see if you could kind of see through his stamina to that there's something wrong with him. What would sick look like to Robert, to his perception? God, it's been so long since we talked about perception. So he would be rendered in this kind of like, sort of like color phantasmagoria like it's it's it's, it's kind of up to you how it how it manifests right so the way the demon ability perception is written let me get to it real quick is that um, user adds the demon's power to whatever score is being employed yada yada um, some categories include so it's some kind of mind sense enhanced normal senses smell sight various spectra, unaltered scale of a sense, weird senses, knowing where to go when teleporting, yada, yada. The way we described it is kind of aura vibes. So being able to see auras, uh, that it is kind of synesthetic for you, this this experience of, of color. So you, you are probably, you know, you get some sickly sensations with this as well. But it's all through Robert's own prism of perception. So... What does that look like to him? Or sound like. Yeah, exactly. Or sound like. I would say despite his apprehensiveness of uh, Samson, when he reads his aura, he doesn't really get the sense that like he's being let on. Um, he sees, I guess, like, I don't know. Have we seen that Disney movie Soul yet? No, uh, I have no. only seen trailers for it. So, like, uh, me and Lena watched it on Friday, and it's, like, still mad fresh. And I think some of, like, the spiritual elements of that movie could apply here without, like, any spoilers. Um, there's, it's, it's just, he sees, like, very free, fleetingly uh, Samson's, like, his, the outline of his body is, like, a nebula. And it's like a blue nebula with like stars and shit inside of it. Um, I'm making this all up as I go along. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what we do here. It's, it's kind of like vibrations and shit, like he's on an acid trip. Um, and like, even though he can see the silhouette of Samson, it's like, you know, it goes from like a nebula in space to like that of a, like a, a sort of like rainbow of inverted colors. 
and it's like warm and fuzzy and then as the sort of reading ends it goes completely black and hollow mm. mm-hmm. yeah and it's this kind of riot of sensation makes you sick to your stomach probably yeah no, it so makes it feel, yeah, terrible. and you have the knowledge now that something's wrong with samson you don't know what you don't know exactly what it is whether or not you sh- you share this with him is up to you but he is he is kind of saying that he will meet up with y'all tonight after his set so um just kind of wanted to throw that information out there are there any other beats we want from this scene before we continue on i'm good okay all right so samson probably i think you know just hits the road goes back to his car does anybody have anything they want to do during the day or should we jump ahead to the rogue tonight part of me feels like we should have some kind of scene about drama from the fallout of ruby talking to millie but that could happen tomorrow like sunday Mm -hmm. yeah i think probably between you arriving home kind of late millie having had track practice and then probably homework and then dinner with the family which is probably not where she would bring it up and then you going to the rogue tonight it is probably not um being brought up at the moment so we can we can save that for sunday which might be in this session or might be next session so we'll we're jumping ahead to saturday night at the rogue and Kiefer, how does samson's set go poorly okay sounds about right yeah, his uh, lungs are just not quite there. Oh, they normally yeah, are. of course. And, yeah, almost drowning, it turns out, is really rough on your ability to, like, it's bad for the horn. do the sustained notes, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, that's beautiful. My sustain's just not there tonight, man, I don't know why. Yeah, his bandmates are like, yo, what the fuck? And he's like... Dude, don't even worry about it. I'll be fine next week. Yeah, I did a whole gesture that you couldn't see because we're... Podcast. ...doing an audio thing. <laughs> Cool. So after this rather lackluster performance, I think that the three of y'all can just kind of meet up at one of the tables, right? The Rogue is a happening place, but it's not so busy, at least at the moment, that you can't find a, a small table. So the three of you find a small table and sit down. And, you know, I think Samson wants something now, potentially out of these two people, whether it's to help him make this contact Um, or if it's to leverage the use of their demons or whatever that is. So I think just having the three characters leveraging each other, right, to to the best of their abilities is maybe the way that we should orientate this scene. But I will will just let y'all kick it off as, um, as Joan probably brings a couple of drinks over from the fountain machine. Here you guys go. Good set, Samson. Can we, um... Can, can we talk about this hand now? Or these gators, rather, since you seem to be so close to them now? Are we thinking there's more than one gator? That's actually a really good question. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Was it huge and, and full of uh, void claws? Full of what? Claws that look like the void. Um, I, you know, have you ever drowned? Yeah, I can't say I have. Try it sometime, and then tell me what the alligators look like. Mm, might pass on that, but thanks. Um, 
Hmm, okay. So, I don't know. What, what was your feel about this alligator? Why? Do you know why it would have hands that it's dropping at my feet? No, but... <sighs> or do you know how to get in contact with this alligator? Because I have some questions for it. So, let's... Can we just talk for a second about... We're all on the same page about the demon thing, right? Yeah, I would assume so. What? It, it feels like, what do you do with it? What What do you use it for? What can you do with it? What is it for? Know, pretty, Why do we have a demon in here? Question. I mean, personally, it wasn't my choice, but here I am. Mine was given to me, uh, you know, a while back. It, it just kind of does its own thing, but uh, I like to think it's guiding me through whenever I play my music, you know? I feel that soul. Pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. Okay. What can it? Can they do anything? Yeah, of course. They're demons. What about yours? Can you, so what's what, what is yours? What do you? How do you channel yours? It's, I don't really channel it. We just talk sometimes. Um, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, do you? I don't. I've just kind of been making this stuff up as I go along. And I don't, I'm happy to act like I know what's going on or like what we should do next, but I'm also quite happy to say that I almost died today. And I would really like to not almost die again. So if we could, if either of you have any kind of arcane knowledge or deep understanding of the demonic that you would like to bring to bear on this problem that yeah, might mean, be more useful than talking to the guy who again almost drowned in a swamp trying to talk to anybody look i mean i grew up with this thing it's like i don't know you just get used to it you learn how to live in harmony with them i don't know why you're so bad at communicating but it's not all that hard is it so why don't we right before i passed out Something very spooky told me to keep asking questions, to keep trying to say hi. And it was shortly after I was pulled out of the water by an alligator. Mm. So, if you do know anything about saying hello, or otherwise connecting to, contacting, understanding, summoning, yeah. whatever... It's worth a shot. It's not that big of a deal. Let's just go do it. I'm literally telling you to take the lead and go do it. That's all, all that right. I'm asking here. Well, I'm not going by myself. I'm a 16-year-old girl. Come with me. The swamp's right out back. Okay, well... Ugh. Okay. Robert, are you in? I, I'm, I'm all the way with it. Well, I mean, if we're all going to be on the same page, then it wouldn't hurt to, you know, see what's good. Yeah. There's um, a lot of weird stuff in this town, but there's not so many of us, so it seems like it makes sense to not go Lone Ranger on these things, especially when we don't know where they're coming from exactly. Um, yeah, let's, um, I can get away from work for a little bit, we're almost done with the night, let's, uh, let's go try to talk to some alligators. So, I, I'd like to be clear, real quick, is... Hmm. What is Joan going to try to contact? Is she going to try to contact the alligator, or is she going to try to contact 
the creature that Samson was so reaching I, out to because they are different. Yeah, I think she's hung up on the alligator thing because that's the mm-hmm. one that like dropped anything at her feet, and she's probably feeling a bit suspicious that the alligator, after dropping severed hands at her feet, is then going off to help Samson. Yeah, so she doesn't sure. really know who the alligator is working for or mm-hmm. what you know what the hell is happening with that. Um, but I think like the general idea would try to just contact either or just see what's out there and what responds. Yeah. Presumably, these things are aware of the sorcerers as well. So I think at this point. I think the thing, and this is both trying to work within the rules of sorcerer, and as I'm, you know, as we're trying to to think about how contacting demons would work, right? I think just opening your mind would be, and maybe I should have let you do it, but I think just opening your mind and seeing what's out there would be kind of a profoundly dangerous thing. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to say you can't do it, but if there are kind of an infinitude of demons right yeah okay. then then trying to talk to all of them at once might be a very bad idea um okay. so i think the the thing is you might want to pick one or the other and i and i would like to hear also what samson has to say right because you have joan has said let's go talk to some alligators samson yeah. i think is more interested in talking to something else so i'm just wondering if samson says anything to try and persuade you in a particular direction or if he yeah. just lets you go I mean, I think Joan would be open to either, but, right. you know, she's focused on the alligators at the moment. I think Samson thinks the alligator and the guy he talked to were the same person. Okay, interesting. I mean, I thought that up until you just said they were different, so it definitely seems likely that Samson would think that. Uh-huh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so... Because we're both idiots about demons. I mean, we are making up the metaphysics as we go along, <laughs> right? Okay. Like I said. So, Sharon... As y'all head out into the swamp, what are you going to try to do? Um, I mean, can I do the same contact? Yeah, ab- thing? absolutely. But if we, if you just say, okay, I'm rolling contact, I'm going to give you penalties as opposed oh, okay. to bonuses. So All right. how, okay. what does it look like, right? What does this ritual look like? One of the things I loved from, and I, I do like the idea that all three of you will have, that your powers will manifest slightly differently, but then that we can find a few common threads to pull through everything. Something I really liked from Samson's was the eyes open detail so that anything you happen to hallucinate or actually see or anything like that gets overlaid over wherever you actually are. That was just a detail I happened to like, but yeah. So, um, I mean, I think that they could go out back, walk into the woods and she can wade into the swamp. Um, again, probably, just casually picking up some of the little what are those little bugs that stride along the top water striders water striders um probably casually eating a couple of those to keep her demon happy as she's doing this were there any specific things that have like specific actions and then i was assuming that we would want to do a group contact yeah because i think so we're a group yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah group sorcery sorceress sorceress cooperation is very effective binding and punishing are always one-on-one but banishing summoning contacting and containing can get bonuses through helpers one sorcerer is designated the primary who i think is going to be joan in this case probably unless Mm -hmm. y'all change your mind and he or she will incur any humanity checks as a result of the action the helpers roll just as the primary does any successes they get confer the victories as a bonus to the primary and any failures confer no penalty along with the usual role-playing bonuses this is the smartest way to increase one's sorceress chances okay 
So, can we have her wait in and then motion to the others to come and hold each one of her hands mm-hmm. um, to kind of, you know, pull together their powers in a somewhat more physical way? Is she... Hold on, wait. I need to see the contact thing. Okay, so these are not, like, specific actions that she needs to do as no, part of this. No, no, we, okay. we are determining that as we go. Okay. So, as she takes both of their hands, some of the... I don't know, this might be ridiculous, but in my head, for some reason, I'm thinking of, like, she eats, like, I know she, like, eats the bugs to keep her demon happy, but I can also imagine them kind of flocking to her and crawling, like, around her body as she's performing a ritual, because hmm. she seems to have some bug affinity. So, let's see. <sighs> I mean, we haven't established anything in terms of, like, specific kind of chanting. I know that Samson at some point said the Hail Mary while trying this, but, like, we don't have established rules in terms of other chants or, like, demonic language Mm -hmm. in terms of conjuring, right? Yeah. Okay, so they can go out there, they can hold hands. She has some bugs kind of flocking and crawling up her body. In my head, for some reason, I imagine that there is some kind of otherworldly language that they would be able to do, like, spells and chants in. So I would assume she starts kind of just muttering one of these chants mm-hmm. and putting out, just, like, you know, focusing her, focusing her mind on trying to uh, think about the alligator and just try to make contact with it while holding on to the other two sorcerers and muttering these otherworldly chants. Okay, cool. So let's give you... The fact that we're raising this kind of arcane language, I think, is definitely mm-hmm. worth a plus one, and is something that we should remember going forward. Uh, yeah. The just the detail of having them hold your hands, and I think I'm going to add that when this happens, well, no, we'll I'll I'll hold off on that to see how the roll goes, um, but we'll get another plus one for each of them holding your hands. So you're going to be rolling at four d eight to start, and then we'll add plus two, so sixty eight, mm-hmm. and then. Is what's Samson doing other than holding Joan's hand, Keaton? He's extremely freaked out by this. Yeah. Like, I think in the way that Sharon was just like, yeah, I assume that we'll be able to, like, you know, everyone speaks some kind. I think that maybe Joan also assumes that everybody speaks arcane language while they do sorcery stuff. Yeah. That's totally definitely doesn't. Yeah. And, (laughs) and like, Definitely, he's not used to, like, crap. Like, this is all way more, like, witchy, magical, scary than anything he has ever participated in. Uh So I think he's mostly just alarmed and scared. And, like, yeah, like, on the verge of running. And meanwhile, it's, like, no big deal for Joan. Uh Uh-huh. That's beautiful. I definitely think the cowardice price is going to hit him here. And I definitely think that, like, yeah, he's really unhappy and he's trying to focus he's doing his like he's staring ahead and mm-hmm. i don't like normally he would be sitting down and shirtless and instead he's like standing and holding a teenage girl's hand as yeah. they stare at a swamp and he's got like bugs crawling all over him <laughs> when they don't land on her and he hates it yeah that's beautiful i love he's it so i'm gonna his favorite shoes uh-huh I'm going to give you plus two D8 for the role-playing detail, for the bugs crawling all over you and for, you know, intentionally invoking your fear and so, or acknowledging it, I should say. And so with the minus one for your cowardice, which I'm, I think is totally applicable here, uh, that brings you to three D8. Uh, so you can go ahead and roll that. And then 
Gary, what is Robert doing other than <laughs> just holding Joan's hand? Um, oh, that's a, such a great role, Kiefer. I'll go over all the roles here in just a second. Um, oh, God. Robert is not trying to let Samson's uh, spazzing out or whatever Joan is doing to, like, get to him. Um, he's also a little bit on the edge because he has never partaken in like a group setting either um even though he's like sort of heard of these things and he's wondered if his grandmother did it etc cetera, etc cetera. he is topless um he has the chain on of course which is looking pretty gaunt which means that it's probably time for another swim and his eyes are closed and he's basically just like rocking not just nodding his head like physically rocking to like the song that he's remixing in his head and like mm -hmm. that is to i guess gather the spiritual energy for whatever it is they're about to do mm -hmm. yeah so i'll go ahead and give you another plus 2d8 for the you know both for your telltale which is the nodding the head along and then also for like the clothing description and how you're kind of trying to send Samson some good vibes. So added to your lore, that's 48. All right, that's one eight on the board. Here's what the rolls are. <laughs> uh, Gary's roll was an eight, six, five, and a three. Samson's was a three, a three, and a one. And then <laughs> Jones was a six. Oh, no, sorry, a seven, six, six, five, three, two. And hmm. because we have determined that we are trying to contact the alligator, this is actually a slightly more difficult roll than the one that Samson was trying to attempt. So I'm rolling 5d8 power, which is not going to do it. I rolled a 6, 5, 4, 3, and a 2, which means that even just Sharon's roll alone would have been... Is that a complete? Yeah, that's a complete success. Nice so Amazing. <laughs> Sharon, I'm actually going to go ahead and give you a plus one going forward with this yeah. Uh, against this demon. So anytime you try and do something with this demon, you will have a plus one die to use. So, you know, just put that in a note somewhere. Hell yes. Finally making some alligator progress. <laughs> and Samson and Robert, something happens to Joan's hands. Her fingernail polish just blows off. It's almost like... <laughs> um, it's <laughs> like it had dried out and cracked and a strong wind came through and just blew it off like dust. And there is a, what did we describe it? Is it a glow that comes from your yeah, fingernails? Yeah, like, like a glowing fingernail situation. Yeah. But it is so obviously internal, right? It is like the, the fingernails are windows onto an internal glow. And Samson, this is probably fucking terrifying. Uh, <laughs> it's not like anything you've ever seen before. It works totally different from a Balazette. And... I mean, it illuminates you, right? It's nighttime. It is like mm -hmm. a lantern. It's like 10 lanterns in the darkness. And with your eyes open, you see, and this is just in your mind's eye, right? But you yeah. see a, you see kind of a stone tile in your head. And in kind of base relief in the stone tile is... It almost looks Egyptian. It's not an Egyptian hieroglyphic. I don't want to, like, you know, none of us are Egyptian. I don't want to do the orientalizing thing. But yeah. in 
in almost that style, right? It's may- maybe it's like Babylonian, which would still be orientalizing, mm-hmm. so it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is it is just a, a base relief, and we will have to think about this. It's a base relief of an alligator-headed god, and mm. its stone mouth moves and says, I am Agaram, the alligator. So we will call it there. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, you can find us online at covenpodcast.com, on Twitter at coven underscore podcast. And we will see you in two weeks. Joan has finally managed to contact another (laughs) demon, and things are going to start popping off, I promise. (laughs) Have a good night, or good night, or whatever the fuck time it is. I don't know. Um, And we'll see everybody next time. Bye. And we're done. Amazing. I'm very happy about alligators. (laughs) Yeah, me too.